So in today's Herb Talk podcast, Phil and I are discussing Horopito, the red, fire-reacting New Zealand native herb. It is known as a potent antifungal native herb for fungal overgrowth, microbes and dysbiosis. We will be looking further into its key actions, effects and some case studies for its use in clinic. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Welcome. It's great having you back on board as we delve into a bit more into Horopito, the New Zealand native herb. It's an interesting plant, this one. It's pretty fiery. <laughs> yeah, we look forward to getting started. So let's do exactly that. Let's get started and find out more about this unique native and its associated actions for recovery, gut microbial, its management there, and just general well-being, including women's health. One of the questions we're going to start with today, Phil, is... One of the most important things that often when we're talking about herbs, um, it probably tends to be a presenting question. What are some of the key actions of this beautiful red fire in New Zealand native? Yeah, I guess firstly, before we talk about it, we, we need to just acknowledge that there are four different species of holopito. And some people used to call it um, some, you know, iwi or hapu, different regions of Aotearoa used to call it ramarama. Um, but it's totally different to the, the other ramarama. The two main species are Pseudowinteria axillaris and Pseudowinteria colorata, but there are a couple of others, Pseudowinteria, Pseudowinteria traversii and Inspirata, and one of them's only found in, a, in a part of the Whangarei Peninsula, I think, or Whangarei Heads. But yeah, they're, they're very similar phytochemically, although Pseudowinteria colorata has a lot more polygodiol, which is one of the key known active phytochemicals. So yeah, you can tell this plant because it is quite fiery. If you chew just a teeny bit of leaf, it, it's really peppery. And you see the polygodiol and the anthocyanins in it when you see little red blotches on it. So the more it's exposed to the sun, rather than being in the deep bush, like you, around Lake Waikaremoana, you see it inside the bush and it's quite green. You see it out in the open, though, uh, the hills around Dunedin and uh, volcanic plateau in general, and it's often quite red-leafed. But yeah, antifungal activity is probably the best known, as you've alluded to already, Charlene. And it was used traditionally by Māori for ringworm and mainly oral thrush. And as I said, polygodiol seems to be the main active for that activity. It was shown a long time ago, about 20 years ago, by a DSIR researcher to have anti-candida albicans activity in vitro, comparable to the drug amphotericin, actually, which is an old, pretty strong antifungal drug. But it also is a good antibacterial, and that's something we often forget about it. And if you look at the traditional use with Māori, particularly tūhoi and, and people, you know, in, in the, where there's a lot of tenahere, you know, where there's lots of really good, still quite virgin bush in Aotearoa, and you go back there and look at the traditional use, they used it a lot for digestive problems, you know, diarrhoea, dysentery, and I reckon it is a really good anti-inflammatory in fact, polygodiol is anti-inflammatory. There's Brazilian research, a lot of it now, showing how anti-inflammatory polygodiol is. And that comes to the fact that there's another plant that contains polygodiol called uh, winter's bark, and that's native to parts of South America. It was named that because the British sailor John Winter in the 16th century used it to treat uh, scurvy in his, his crew on his ship. And I think James Cook also used it later in the South Pacific. The Brazilians have researched polygoidial a lot as strongly anti-inflammatory against a whole lot of inflammatory mediators, but recently we're also finding that it's anti-allergy. It reduces systemic secretion from mast cells, for instance, and uh, even protects against anaphylaxis and some rodents and mouse and rat models of anaphylaxis. So I've been using it a little bit for allergic rhinitis or hay fever in the last few years. 
And I guess last but not least, topically, you can use it as a bit of a counter irritant. It doesn't work as well as things like capsicum. It's pretty mild usually. And when you make it into a hydroethanolic extract, the polygodiol is not that stable, in fact, over long term. So it does lose a bit of its heat, but it's still got a lot of other interesting sesquiterpene lactones that are also anti-inflammatory. It's not just polygodiol, it's another one called Paxidel. It's got some interesting flavonoids in it. And it seems to work a little bit, or polygodiol anyway, it works in a similar way to capsaicin or cinnamon or mustard on these receptors, these sensory receptors called transient receptor potential A1 and transient receptor potential valinoid 1. And they're basically mediators of thermal and sensory and, and chemical stimuli that that can cause a sensation of warmness or or pain. So it's a bit hard to explain, but that seems to be partly how it works in a similar manner to those other quite well-known counter-irritants. So it's got a lot of actions, to be honest. Um, And and of course, last but not least, it was used and can be quite useful for uh, respiratory tract infections, you know, like uh, fungal infections, but also bacterial infections, and particularly as an infusion. Wow, Phil, that is a brilliant introduction to the wonders of this amazing New Zealand native herb, Horopito. A lot of us know it as, you know, this great antifungal herb, but boy, it, like, like I guess most of, our, most of our herbs out there, has all these other unique properties and multi-action Always. <laughs> benefits. Um, the Absolutely. allergies in particular is fascinating about, I think, about Horopito, and that would be something probably quite new for a lot of people tuning in today, I would imagine. So, and also that horopeto belongs to a big family of horopeto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's great to know. It's not, not just alone by itself. But as you say, most of the research is done on the one that we currently use, and we know more about that one. But as always, that leaves the door open for more research. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, more always. knowledge as we go forward about this wonderful herb, horopeto. Yeah. Are there any potential adverse events that we should be aware of when we are preparing formulations or products made from horopeto, or we know we're, we're dispensing it in clinic for clients? Yeah. Um, as with most or all of our phytomedicines, they're very rare and very unlikely. But um, as I said earlier, the, the heat is not the same in the, the dried hydroethanolic extract as it is in a fresh leaf if you were to chew it so that's quite encouraging in some ways and I guess the, the main adverse event to be a little bit careful about is is the topical use of it for vaginitis or candida because there have been a couple of case reports of uh, contact vulvitis following vaginal application of uh, horopito containing products so you know it is a counter and it can be a bit warming and and you know like everything applied to sensitive mucous membranes you know you've got to be cautious and, and some people are going to react to it apart from that though the only other thing is a, a theoretical adverse event and that's related to the fact that polygodial inhibits glutamate uptake by in, in rat brains so that suggests that it may in, enhance levels of glutamate in the brain and therefore potentially make seizures or epileptic conditions more likely to occur. Now that's very, very theoretical, it's quite an extrapolation, but if you were uh, giving it to epileptic patients, I'd just be a little bit cautious about that. 
Sure. And, and sorry, last but not least, uh, pregnancy yeah. and breastfeeding, we don't have enough data on that to really recommend people use it in that situation. Not saying you shouldn't, but obviously be very careful. Just better to be cautious, isn't it? Yeah. Always in that situation if we don't know enough. Um, this is an interesting herb, this anti-inflammatory action, but obviously, like you say, when you're using it topically, you know, be aware that yeah. it has quite a powerful counter irritant action and obviously yeah. you know anything it can do yeah sensitive Not, mucous membranes yeah, that are yeah. particularly exposed and delicate can yeah the same with touching your eyes or areas. you know you know other sensitive yes. parts of your skin with all of these you know methyl salicylate would be the extreme version of that but with all of yes. these types of warming um, heat producing herbs you do have to be quite careful because uh, we want all these amazing properties that it has, but unfortunately that doesn't mean that we can use it for everything, not without respect anyway, right? Which is how we should always... All medicines, <laughs> they, they have good effects, but operate. they all have adverse events very occasionally That's as right. well. That's right, yeah. Yep. Natural or unnatural, right? Yep, yep. They all fall into that realm to some degree. So are there any, if you want to know, indications that you can tell us about? Like, we know that we use it for fungi um, overgrowth a lot. Candida is, you know, a big, big woman's health issue that's out there in clinic and well, in store as well. But And Horopita's used, you know, almost exclusively for this. But what other indications could people take away from today they could use it for? You've sort of touched on allergies and inflammation, which, you know, you see so much of in clinic. Those two are profoundly relevant. Definitely, yep. I guess one of the main things to, to really explore or use it for, in my view, is based upon its traditional use for gastrointestinal infections and cramps. So a little bit like kawakawa or even akiaki, I think it can really help with you know gastric conditions of that nature, where there's pain and spasm and, and maybe diarrhoea or food poisoning going on. And so that's not a new application, but it, yeah, it doesn't seem to be as well known that as, as the use for Canada. But again, we've got research backing that up, you know, like polyguidiol is gastroprotective um, and it also reduces excessive colon permeability in malnourished mice. So, you know, there's, there's research to back up those traditional uses of it, which really supports our, our use in clinical practice. There is another study showing that polyguidiol also induced uh, relaxation of rabbit corpus cavernosum muscle through a nitric oxide uh, mechanism. So that, in theory, suggests potential applications for men with erectile dysfunction, although I've used it in a couple of patients like that, and I think, again, that's quite, a, quite an extrapolation from that animal study in a rabbit to a human study. But that's something you might want to consider because, you know, treatments for that, you know, there's not many that we know can help. And women used to use it in days gone by when they wanted to wean their infant as well. They would rub horopito, chewed horopito leaf preparations on their breasts, which if I was a baby, that would probably <laughs> put no, me that off. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but like sage yeah, <laughs> could hold yeah, away yeah. to decrease or discourage uh, your breastfeeding. <laughs> yep, yep. And there's some other research showing that it might have insect repellent activity as well, horopito. Mm. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, the repellent activity is probably quite yeah. likely with this particular <laughs> That's right. virus. But yep. beautiful herb. Obviously, yep. just a little bit about what it looks like. Obviously, it is firing red, but yep. quite beautiful too. It is. It's a lovely plant. So what other herbs does it combine well with? What, what do you use alongside? Do you, do you tend to use it singly full or do you use it in formulations? What do you tend to do here with the beautiful horopedo? Usually, as with all, all herbs that I use, I combine it with other herbs. And it depends totally on what I'm using it for. If I'm using it topically, for instance, for grazes or cuts, I like to, to put it with something like manuka, manuka oil or manuka hydrophenolic or calendula oil or calendula hydrophenolic. 
I think when you when you're using it topically, you know, for a vaginal thrush, you, you've got to be very careful. I wouldn't put too many essential oils there, but calendula is really really great there. I think as are a lot of other herbs, very gentle ones. There's research again from this time from Japan showing that anethol, which is a constituent in aniseed, potentiates the anti-canother activity of polygidiol. So if you are treating canother, you might want to put a bit of anise with it, aniseed. Mm, yeah, and, that's a great tip. And yeah, oregano, you know, other antifungal herbs. But as I said before, if it's stomach, you could also consider kawakawa, akiaki, mm. cramp bark, all, all of those as well. I loved how you told us that it may be good for those cramps, um, for pain. So also, could this be an IBD herb? Just thinking of it, if it has an antispasmodic action, an anti-inflammatory, and we know it is antimicrobial, and we know a lot with IBD there is a dysbiosis picture there in the background. Yep. It could possibly be a candidate also for that, couldn't it, as we talk yep. more about yep. it? I think so. It's it's anti-inflammatory activities and anti-allergic and and. Almost certainly it does modulate the gut, the gut microbiome, I think. Yes. Inflammatory bowel disease is pretty serious and, and you know, we need to do a lot of preliminary preclinical work on it. But it's And there's some other herbs that may be favourites there, of course, that we use with great success already. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's nice to know that could be a possible yep. indication for Horopeda. Maybe in time to come and more research comes to light or more information we can... Yeah, and, and you know, I, I use it in... A range of digestive conditions, sometimes irritable bowel, but also uh, where I think there's been like a post-infective weakness. And I don't know how it works, whether it's working as an anti-inflammatory on the gut microbiome, even on the nervous system, or all those uh, receptors I mentioned earlier, or all of them. But the fact is you don't tend to need a big dose of it if you do include it in a formulation with other gastric herbs, which is which is another really good thing about it, I of think. Of course, sometimes you've just got a little bit of, little bit of space left, you could fit it into yeah, there that's right. and just see if it yeah, works, exactly. and, yeah. and that makes it quite safe probably as well in yeah. regards to its safety profile. That kind of comes into our next question, I know you've covered it to some degree, but Horopet and Women's Health, because we know that it's known for its effective action with chronic candida and the flashlight conditions. What sort of dosage works well here, have you discovered, for candida? We know that it's used well in this space. So, again, it's not a high-dosing herb to get an effect. So a nice small dosage still works for people in that situation. Yeah, I think, as I said, Pseudoenteria axillaris doesn't really contain much polygodiol. It's more colorata. And, and it's only polygodial that's been shown to be strongly anti-candida. There are a couple of clinical studies involving horopito preparations, you know, commercial preparations that have been shown to be effective for candida in- infections. Even a tableted preparation that was made using oleoresin of Pseudoenteria colorata. That contained 30% polygodial, which is pretty high really. And, and a little bit of olive leaf as well. So, yeah, you could combine it with olive. You could combine it with calendula, as I said earlier. To me, calendula is really great. It doesn't work as quickly as uh, canistin or, you know, those antifungal drugs, but it is less likely, we know, to reduce the, the frequency of recurrence, which is, of course, one of the most annoying things about chronic thrush. You know, it keeps coming back for a lot of women, unfortunately. But yeah, Monica is, is another one of my favourites. There's a lot you can choose from, but but don't start too high with a, with a hydroethanolic extract of Holopito. If you are using ethanol, any type of ethanolic extract, make sure the, the woman knows how to dilute it, you know, if she's douching with it, or put it in a cream, you know, evaporate the ethanol off first, perhaps, you know. So, Those yeah. are all great suggestions, yeah. So even though it's small dosing, it still deserves some uh, respect when you're dispensing it, of course, and, that, and how to dispense it. Yep. 
A relevant case study of, that you've used it for that you've, you know, you're happy to share with us that you've had seen some results with? Yeah, I, I thought about this and, and I thought I'll tell you about this this woman who came to see me many years ago now. With, she'd, she'd had bronchial asthma since she was 16 and then uh, she was in her early 60s when she came to see me. She developed a lot of bronchitis at university, travelled quite a bit, always had a weak chest, basically. And while she was travelling, she contracted aspergillosis, which can be quite serious. As you know, it's a fungal infection of, of the lungs. And that resolved at the time. But ever since then, she was very prone to recurrent attacks of pneumonia. And, and that really washed her out, caused fatigue and tiredness and, and many, many antibiotic courses every year. So she was she was over it, basically. And also taking Ventolin and Cerebin for, for her asthmatic type symptoms. But to cut a long story short, after two or three visits, it took a little bit of time, I, I managed to find that we, we found a mix that seemed to work for her pretty well and she's still taking it pretty well as it is today. And that was um, 40% echinacea, only 15% now pseudoentera or horopito. It, it was 20-25 to begin with. 15% kumaraho, another really good lung herb as we know, alicampane, 20%, 10% licorice, just so that she uh, is compliant and doesn't curse me every time she has it. Um, <laughs> yeah. She still, still remain a favourite there. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is a little bit, you know, kumaraho is pretty strong, as is horopito. Yeah. But I, I, she was brave enough to allow me to put a 1% of black pepper, Piper nigrum, in there as well, which I think possibly helps potentiate the bioavailability of some of the she others. She was a brave client with that mix. That was she well is, done. But, you know, better than um, multiple courses of antibiotics every year. Of course, year, so. yes, yes. And as you can see the effect, you'll get patients' compliance when you increase, as they say. Yeah. If yep. they go along, if they get more of an effect, they become more compliant, obviously. Yep. And so obviously she had a good effect and she noticed a big difference in yep. her well-being. Yep. She continues to take it. I think she's a, a pretty happy patient. But yeah, there's there's a lot of others and I'd just encourage everyone to, to give it a go. You know, it is one of those interesting natives that we're finding more and more about, you know, as an anti-inflammatory, as an antimicrobial, allergies, uh, gut health. So it's it's a lot more than just being for, for gynecological health. So yeah, it's, it's good to just explore some of those other uses for it. Absolutely. I think if um, we all take away one of those things from today and uh, try Horopito, we'll probably fall in love with it more <laughs> yep. as we see its effect. It's only a small dosage, so a perfect herb to try in a formulation. It doesn't have to be the majority of your formulation. It can just be, you know, a tiny piece of it. Yep. And obviously it still sounds like it has a huge therapeutic action on that. Well, thank you, Phil, for being part of today's discussion on the uniquely powerful New Zealand native Horopito. And thank you to all our listeners. And we look forward to bringing you more phytotherapy in our next Herb Talk podcast. Kikati Ano from the Phytomed team. And thank you, Phil. Thanks for today's thanks. and Horopito. And the extra knowledge that we'll take away with us from today's chat. Kakite. Kakite. Ka